Don Rickles is a better actor than people ever knew him for. He's really, and I knew Don Rickles as an actor. Uh-huh. And when I worked with Don Rickles on that movie, he came to me and he says, you're going to come with me in my trailer. I take you, you're serious. You're a method. You're a method. <laughs> and, I, and, and he said that to me the first night we were working, it was 10 below zero. I was working with Anthony LaPaglia. And I was screaming and we had to hit each other and the whole screaming thing. And, and Don was in the scene wearing this Russian hat, this big fur Russian hat. And to me, John, Don Rickles is like king, you know, yeah, he's like yeah. king of God. Yeah. I look at him and I go, you know, I can't. So I, I see him, first time I see him, I don't know, all right. And then I kind of do my work and I hear cut and I stop. And the director, John Landis, runs over and says, who, who, what's going on here? I said, well, you called cut. So I didn't call cut. And John says, I called cut. <laughs> I said, he says, what, Don, you, you can't call cut. You're not, he says, see that guy? And he pointed at me. And when he screamed, all the spit came out of his mouth. He spit all over me. I went, oh, shit, I can't control the spit out of my... And that's the first time he said it. He says, he's a method guy. So uh, this is our first podcast. Yeah, yeah, this is it. This is the moment of truth. Welcome to Roll Call. Yeah, welcome to Roll Call. And uh, today we're interviewing David Proval, Mean Streets. Sopranos. Sopranos. Season two. I think he's mostly in gen pop known for these films, although, you know, we've obviously spent the last few weeks pouring over his resume and and looking at everything deep back into the 1970s. And I think it's kind of a misconception because he's he's done a lot of work outside of, you know, gangsterism and, and mob roles. And I think is you can see it in the work that he when he gets these tender performances that he really thrives in those kinds of roles. Yeah, absolutely. He's really a, a great actor who kind of got certain roles, you know, the gangster roles, uh, because he could play them because he knew those guys. He'll go into that in the interview. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's an interesting thing we see uh, with actors when um, something that's very familiar to them comes easily to them as an actor. They start getting those kinds of roles, whether that's their real personality or not. And, uh, you know, I just found talking to David that he's the sweetest guy in the world. Guess we should go uh, go ahead and jump right in. Roll it. Enjoy David Proval. Well, first of all, thank you you for being here. We really appreciate it. I wanted to Um, meet you. And I wanted to, because um, uh, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I remember your dad and uh, clearly remember him as a fine, fine actor. a uh, real influence in um, my generation of actor. I would say Rahui was a definite influence amongst that. Actors in New York, in my generation of actor, was one of those actors people respected and looked to. And uh, so I wanted to meet his son today, too. So I had ulterior motives. Thanks. Happy, very, happy to very meet good, you, too. Good guy. He's got a nice kid. 
Thanks. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, since you since you bring up that time and being in New York in the 70s, you know, I'm kind of curious to, to ask you, like, hey, obviously, say, I'm just from New York. Talk, you know? right? yeah. Yeah. Didn't we say that? And hey, you know what you just did? Well, since you brought up that time. <laughs> you can't help that shit. So don't do it. Because yeah, what, what, what do you want to talk about that yeah, time? No, well, I mean, what was, you know, being... Um, I'm from New York, and we were talking about yeah. the public, the public theater a little bit, and what was what it was like to be a uh, an actor in New York around that time. It was a pr- very creative time, and and yeah. and there were you know playwrights like uh, Horowitz was around, and uh, Albee was uh, doing these great plays. Kind of you know Rabe, of course, and then uh, then a few years later, Mammoth was coming up with these great plays. A lot of great playwrights spurting out some really good stuff. I miss some great playwrights. Anyway, well, yeah, I mean, it's- but it was a fertile time for actors off Broadway at the public. Very fertile. Yeah, great teachers around in New York at the time. We were hogging around. Lee Strasberg there. All the Sandy Meisner was there. Oh, De Niro's. Teacher in Marlins, teacher Stella, Stella Adler yeah. was there. Yeah. What a time. <laughs> I picked my head around there in the mid 60s and it was still, you know, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Who were you studying yeah. with in the beginning? Oh, I was with, well, my first real teacher who was a legitimate was at the HB studio. I was Elizabeth Dillon. It was a stage actress at the time, a journeyman actress, just a wonderful actress. And so from her, I went to Bill Hickey, and then I went to Uta Hagen. I just loved being around that whole beginning of the, when you walked into a building and it was raw brick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you see, you looked at, oh man, this is Bohemian, this is Beatnik, this is for real, this is real artsy people, and I love that. And then I loved what people had to say when I first started learning something and what Uta Hagen had to say, and it was uh, enormous to be part of her, you know, be, be in her class. That was the teacher after that, really, that I. Was Jack right after? I mean, I didn't go anywhere else. I thought I knew some stuff about the work, and my next teacher was our teacher, Jack. Are you in Jack's? Jack Walter? Are yeah, you with, you're with Jack too. Yeah, I said I've done three workshops with Jack. Oh, so you know what we're talking about? Yeah, Jack is I know phenomenal. The, uh, Jack is the real thing, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he really is. Jack um, is the real thing. But I met Jack in 1971. I had not even done Mean Streets yet. Oh, wow. I, did, I hadn't done anything. I was just in New York, studied with Uda, blah, 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 beep, 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 a little off, off, a little this and that, whoppa. You know, but really, and then came out to L.A. and did an industrial film, How to uh, Set a Broken Arm. I was the guy. I was the broken arm, man. <laughs> That was my big moment really? in front of a oh, camera. Nice. Oh, yeah, how to set a broken arm. Thing. That was me, my first gig. In fr- I know it was my first gig. And the girl who was my leading lady in the industrial film, How to Set a Broken Arm, I just saw her a few years ago, two years ago, at my ex-wife's birthday party. 
And I said, you were my first leading lady or any leading lady. <laughs> and she didn't remember it. I was wow. crushed. I was crushed. Yeah, she didn't remember it. She's, oh, now I do, I do, I do. Yeah, bullshit. You don't remember it. Yeah. No, but she, she didn't remember it. And, and I did an American Motors commercial, national commercial. That was big time stuff. I was in Jack's class when I did that commercial. Big, big uh, national commercial where everybody was seeing it. I got the class. They said, wow, where? we saw your commercial again 10 <laughs> times. You know, It was a wild spot. And they were playing it all the time. Then I got Mean Streets with Richard Romanos, the other guy right, in the yeah, movie. Of course. He was in Jack's class too at the same time. Right out of the class. And then we both got that movie. Mean Streets. But who knew what Mean Streets was supposed to be? Did you guys know at the time? Marty did this movie. You know what he did. Boxcar Bertha. Who's that knocking? But nobody knew anything about, you know. I mean, I know Richard didn't know him. I know De Niro didn't know him. Film history magic partnership. Yeah, seriously. Nothing comparable to it. Not Kazan and Brando. Nothing comparable to it. Now, here we're shooting this stuff about guys I grew up around. I knew these people. Uh, I didn't have to go anywhere. And I kept hearing a Jack's voice say, real thoughts. Allow your real thoughts. Because all of it was real thoughts to me. I knew the event. So I watched that right now. And although over the years, I mean, now it's a revered piece of film and the... Uh, from for Scorsese and De Niro, mostly, and Keitel, of course. Yeah. Not not so much for Richard, and Richard I thought was fantastic in it, and nothing for me. I'm just, who, who are you? Oh, yeah, you're the guy. Yeah. Yeah. But I've watched it once or twice, and I got to say this for myself. For my first movie, first time in front of a camera, firstly... I always thought it was like a small role. It's not no, a small no. role at all. No. It's a principal role. It's a principal supporting role. And some, you know, when I was a kid, oh, you do a small role. I you a small. Well, I wasn't a small. I didn't know the difference. You had to be the Nero's role to be the the big role. I didn't wow. know I had a great role, and and I knew how to play it. And I look at that right now, Ralph. I'm very proud of it. Well, yeah. For a young actor to make those choices, mm-hmm. and I was like 28, never worked before in front of a big crew, never saw anything like it, never knew where the fuck I was. I said, what is that camera? What is he doing with that? Holy shit. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, I've yeah. always, well, you know I mean? should just, full disclosure, I've been watching Mean Streets uh, at least once a year since sure. I was about 18 years old. Of course. <laughs> and I'm a huge fan of it and of your performance in it of course um one of the first moments of the whole movie that always stands out to me is you kick the guy out of the bar and you go get out of my place i know your face yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and just not the fact that that rhymes i always wondered oh no i always wondered if that was you're right i fucked up no, I, mean, I don't think that's a fuck I up remember, at all. Well, I feel the, like that's a I great did it, moment. I kept doing it you know? over and over, and, and I, 
And we all heard it rhyme. And I remember hearing it rhyme. And I went, wait a second, this rhymes. <laughs> and I wanted to break it up. And we never, I never did. Oh, it totally I swear works. to you, really? it's very astute that you listen to it. Get out of my place, I know your face. Yeah. Or something like that. And I said, oh, shit. <laughs> it's a very I, powerful moment. What a way delivery. to open a fucking a film career. Mm, in a yeah. Marty Scorsese movie, tearing a guy out of a bathroom, throwing one it's guy empty, out, yeah. picking another guy up, slamming him down, and I'm just this little guy with a lot of hair. Talking about real thoughts, uh, I mean, another moment that stands out to me is when you guys are, you guys are going to the movies, you're in the car and you're going to the movies, you have a line, uh, the guy comes up and starts cleaning the the windshield of the car. And you- Boy, do you know this movie, because there's a story about this, go ahead. Yeah, he's he's cleaning the windshield and you go, uh, Hey, Michael, will you tell your father to get away from those right? Do you know it's this hilarious. Yeah. You know what happened with that? Bob went to Marty and said, I don't think it's right for him to say that. And Marty said, well, what, what's the matter? He says, well, I was like a put down on my father. You know, I, I don't think he would do that. He would say that. And I was fine. I mean, I would have dropped the line like this. It didn't mean anything to me. I swear, I, I wasn't like, it was an improvised line, you know, we were improvising. Right, right. So I would say, drop it like this. I wouldn't say, but Marty said, no, no, no. Nobody saw your father. Nobody knows your father in the movie. And Marty liked the line. And he opposed him with it. Look what you picked out. Yeah. One it's- line. And it was that line, a little tension in that moment. I remember it. What was the animal you got into the cage with? I mean, she was like a puma or something, right? Like a yeah, it was, that was that was real. Yeah. It was a, for real. And the so, thing, I didn't know what. I didn't know. They were bringing in, uh, they brought in a leopard. <laughs> and I'm saying, wait a second, man. What, what do you, what? well, you know, Joe Gallo had this in the bar. Joe Gallo, it's all about yeah. the Joe Gallo thing, yeah. you know. Joe Gallo, the... The, the gangster, the gangster, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, who had the uh, panther or something in his oh, right. okay. bar in the back <laughs> was his pet. Well, good. I'm glad you know that. So you shoot it from here, and I stand next to the camera over here. Like, <laughs> said, no, 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 you're gonna go into the cage. <laughs> and he told me that day. Because I was sloppy. In the script, I don't remember the scene. I swear to you, I don't remember reading me going into a cage. I didn't remember that. I swear, I had no, I said, no, no, wait, wait, I time out, time out. <laughs> I gave him a time out. I, what do you mean? Now, the wrangler, the guy bringing the animals said, no good, this animal is no good today. It was a panther that was menstruating. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I think you schedule it for four a different sisters, day. man. I grew up with five, six women in my house. And you still got. I know what it is, man. You stay away, man. The thing got its period. I ain't going in a cage with it. a panther that's got its period. <laughs> but you went in. No, they brought in a. Uh, Different, like a lion. Uh, it wasn't uh, yeah, a panther. Like a lynx or something. It was. Yeah, like, I thought it was like a puma. Well, it was a. Yeah. It was a big baby lion. Wow. They told me. Now, <laughs> at this point, I had taken a couple and boy, relax. 
Yeah, because I said, yeah. all right, because we'll I said, you're going to go in? And he did. He said, I'll go in before you. And he did it. He fucking did it. He said, I said, if you do it, I'll do it. He said, all right. And he did it. He went in. And the thing, <laughs> and it was all right. The thing, the thing just said, yeah. <laughs> well, you went in and too. And it turned out to be my love scene. Yeah. Because after Marty saw it, he said, David, we got your love scene in the movie. I said, what? You and the lion, you got to see it. You know the scene? Yeah, you're letting it. You the know, thing is hugging me and yeah. the music comes up. Yeah, it's very intimate this moment. Very intimate yeah. moment, me and the cat. Because you mentioned, you know, Gallo and having the, it's like a, it's like a tough guy move kind of, you know. But, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yet, yeah. And yet in that scene, Stop. you mentioned William Blake. I, you know, that's actually responsible for me kind of looking up William Blake and getting into him because I was like, oh, right, who's right. William Blake? So, right, uh, William Blake. but it's not a tough guy thing to no. kind of bring up right. William Blake. Not at all. Not at all. It's, it's because of uh, Gallo and reading Blake yeah. and what is. Uh, a very literate guy, Joey Gallo. Oh, he was. Yeah, it was about his influence in Marty's. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, very literate guy. Well-read guy. Yeah, well-read guy. Well, oh, okay. well -read. So, so Gallo and was really Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright, William Blake. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right. Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright, and it's also what it was about. I remember, it was about for character for those in the movie. It was the guy. That's why that fucking role I had was really a great role. Yeah. Because it was a moment when he did that, he was reaching out to Charlie because that's what they had in common. Mm. Charlie and him could think. Charlie mm. was a thinking person, and he was. Johnny's boy could not think. Mm. He had no thinking ability. He had something else that Charlie somehow was seduced by and loved. You know, and I understand that. Yeah. We all understand that. That seduction. The guy is, has a criminal thing, or, or. Uh, Throws all caution to the wind. He's that kind of you know give a shit. Yeah. So you know that that relationship. Well, you're a student of the film more so than I am. Well, you know, really, yeah. You, just I, you picked out two moments there. It's amazing. It's a lovely contrast in that moment. Amazing. You know, it reminds me of what Jack talks about with the the moment when Marlon and the Godfather smells the flower. Me, right? yeah. he's he's ordering someone to get you know. I mean, yeah. look what that came out of. What yeah. is that cover? Well, he saw the thing. It's an impulse. It's a blessed to have that kind of uh, understanding of, of himself. It gives us understanding of that th playing a, a murderer, a gangster, a man ordering crime, a killing. He's ordering a killing, and he takes a moment to take a whiff of a fragrance of a flower and, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and is into it aesthetically, is into the moment, is into the... It's a human being, isn't he? That's what human beings are capable of. One moment is a kill him, next moment. No one would have played it like that. No, because it's uh, <laughs> it's genius. <laughs> it's genius and it's an important statement. This powerful gangster guy, what an important yeah. thing to say about his sensitivity. Oh, that performance, you can't, yeah, that, I saw it the other night, I watched it again. No. I watched it two nights ago. Just him I watched. When in the garden, that improv with that little boy, it was, 
Yeah, it's just pure genius and fun. And the guy with an amazing sense of humor, too. And when he scared the kid, and the kid... <laughs> the orange kid? Yeah. The kid was genuinely scared, <laughs> the kid of course. Was really scared. Kids, of course. I mean, the kid the scared. He came out like a monster. Yeah. <laughs> and then he went, whoa. It was just amazing stuff. His playfulness with that child. Hey, the kid is doing the best acting you could possibly do. Not doing yeah. anything, yeah. Right. He's not doing anything. He's just doing what <laughs> is. Just, the kid is just being. And Marlon knows that. Marlon says, this kid, oh, we're going to do this? This kid is just being. And yet, I watched it the other night. I think he got there, Marlon, when he was playing with the kid. I think he got as pure as the kid and as yeah. honest as the mm. kid. Really? Yeah. Really? When he started playing with he that. didn't give a shit. Yeah. yeah. And then when he died, <laughs> it was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. How he died. I think the he really, kid laughs. And the kid laughs at first. Died, yeah, goes, yeah. And like, he made so And he what sprayed him. Yeah. And the kid sprayed him. What a choice yeah, that was. Yeah, sprayed him with the. <laughs> when yeah. he's laying in death, the kid's getting sprayed. He's really oh, just. What a choice that was. Yeah. And it's just the fact <laughs> that the camera is really there just. Filming what's going on. That's you know, all that moving was. around. It's no, not, it's just you know, it's picking just, it up. Well, I did have one more thing. I wanted go, to go, go about me. Go. I, you know, you know something. I know how many of these I've done, and how many times I've talked about mean streets. Yeah, and this is imagine. the most incisive. What you just oh, wow. gave me. Thank so the two you. things. What a compliment! I've done hundreds of these. I don't know how many. And guys talk about mean streets. You talked about two moments that I remember clearly, and what happened in those moments. There was something about them. Well, the only other thing I, I, I can Which is pretty oh, I cool. remember so much and of, of you, you as see, well, yeah. especially. Oh, me, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's one moment I really... I to remember well, there's moment. a thing of, you know, and so Jack, Jack Waltz, our, our teacher, he talks about um, impediments, right? Yeah. And so there's a scene, the party scene, where the guy comes back from the war and they're oh, throwing yeah. him a party. Harry. And you're... Drunk, and that's yeah, you're, you're yeah, working yeah, with an yeah, impediment. Yeah. Uh, being drunk is yeah, an impediment for actors. Yeah, yeah. And you get you have this line where you go up to the jukebox, and you're looking at the juke. It's a very again, it like with the line, you know, it's a very tender moment. And you're like, it's the only only uh, soft ones, only only you only want to play the slow music, you know. The old ones. And uh, yeah, it's and, all right. Um, I do remember the line. It's a great, uh, I love playing that. And he gave that to me right there, Marty. I remember how he did it. I remember he's, because he's my age. And we both like the same old time music, yeah. right? This is, it's a know, Johnny Ace song, right? Yeah. A, yeah Forever, Johnny. my darling. Yeah. And uh, yeah. It's he, a great song. He chose Johnny. And I didn't know which one he was going to choose. Really? And, this is nuts and I'll tell you why Franklin Avenue down the street Marty had lived in a hotel over here there was a hotel just down yeah and one night I don't know why I was walking in 1972 right over here I hear get off of the street and I look over and it's Marty I said, hey, what are you doing? He says, get in a car. I'm going to take you up. I want you to listen to something. 
and he played me the score of Mean Streets right here, down the street. Never heard it before. You know what Marty is now in the film business in the world? Well, I know what he is to, to me. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I know what he means. Right. I know what his work Forget means us. To me. I mean, where, what are we? Oh, but no, I, mean. I, I, I had an emotional meeting with him two years ago. I went to the vinyl thing and I was hoping to see him. <laughs> and there he was. And, the, you know, I mean, they locked him away in the back, but I, w I was walking out and the security guard recognized me and said, Hey, I like your work. I said, Did Marty get here yet? He says, yeah, he's in the back. I said, oh, okay. He said, what, do you want to say hello? I said, yeah. He says, well, come on. So I said, oh, okay. Because they were kind of pushing him away. But the security guy says, come on. Said, you know, I'm sure we want to see you. Yeah. Takes me in the back. And I was a little bit back. and walking and there's Marty sitting there. I'm walking up. He snapped. He jumped up. We hadn't seen each other in about 30, 25, 30 years. Easily. More than that. And he got up. And um, we hung very tight. And the people sitting there, there were people sitting there. He said to me, oh, this is Tony. This is Tony from Mean Streets. Tony from Mean Streets. And they said, yeah, we recognize him. We know how they recognize me. They said, oh, David. And, he, and then I looked down and he saw his bald spot. And I said, oh, I'm so happy you have a bald spot. It's bigger than mine. He laughed and cracked up. Then he said, you know, if we have a second season, I saw all your stuff on this show. It's going to be me and you. I want to work with you. I said, oh, wow. I don't, you don't have to say that. I mean, but, oh, you know, all that. Very emotional. Though. Yeah. Welled up in the whole thing. It's like from your other life. Yeah. You, know, you see somebody from another life. Lindsay always, that's an amazing experience because... What it was, was the result of that was a three-picture deal, which was the last of that in Hollywood. And it was um, one of those uh, Hollywood horror stories. Hmm. You know, when actor tells us, and there I was, and uh, I was practicing my, my acceptance speech, you know, and I was writing it. And, and, uh, it was great to have a piece of work like that. And, the few people who saw it, I, I've had one or two letters from parents of challenged, mentally challenged children thanking me for the performance. <laughs> and beyond that, what do I want? That children suffer from this? I played someone suffering from what they, and they thanked me for being sensitive about the, the, the children's disorder. And uh, I, 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 whatever I did for my research, and I did do my research on that and spend time with people who are suffering from that, what, the, the Nunzio disorder, I stayed pretty true to the um, ailment, to the disorder, yeah. and didn't embellish it or didn't theatricalize it. I didn't drool at the mouth. I didn't have any drooling scenes oh. or... <laughs> And look, what happened was this, the marketplace. You know, the boys at Universal Studios over here at the time, they're the good guys. They're not bad guys. I mean, they want, they love, uh, uh, I'm talking about Scheinberg and Lou Wasserman, mm -hmm. the giants. Yeah. And they were there then wow. in 1977. 
They were the guys I was trying to talk to. They were talking to me. These are giants. These are guys that make movies, you know, big movies and big deals. And What they saw was what they saw. And at first they were so high on this movie. They, for a rap party for the Nunzio film, they roped off Green Street in Soho. They roped it off between what and what, I don't know. And they set up hero sandwich stands for the rap party. I mean, they were thrilled about this movie. They wanted... Everybody in New York was invited to the rap party of Nunzio. It was on the street. Wasn't that the... Is that the coolest thing to do? I've never heard of anything done like that before or after. Why? Because a guy who was head of marketing... And Universal told me all this. They were so high on this movie, they really felt it was it was going to be a Christmas movie, something like mm. that. You know, a gentle yeah. Christmas movie, but no. Someone said, there's no edge here. It was in your face time. It was Marty Scorsese yeah. no movie edge. time. No edge, even, but Rocky, Rocky time. It was Rocky time, and that was in your face, sort of. Okay. I mean, it wasn't. But it was in your face, you know, in your face. Uh-huh. And that wasn't. That was a kind of morality play. Yeah. Just yeah. be a good person. Don't do, you know, do unto others as other, you know, it's that kind of thing. That's all it was. And that's all I ever wanted it to be. I never wanted it to be any there was a sex scene in the movie. I was gonna say Love that, that sex scene. scene. <laughs> that's an amazing scene, acting wise. Yeah. I mean Teresa Saldana, the actress, and she she was uh, she's incredible. You're both incredible. They're both great in that scene. But to me, that scene is very very edgy for its time. You know, that's an it's an incredibly free, totally real love scene, and seems very uh, for what was. Probably coming out, you know. There's definitely no scene like that in Rocky. There, no, <laughs> it's sort of a. It's it's an edgy. And I never. I, there was never a scene well, like that in a Scorsese movie. Either, not really. You know? Not really. Yeah. And I was just very trusting of something. I thought, but the scene was an uproar after the movie. How we were going to get this, and we were disappointed on that day. I don't know what happened that day. We went out to a boat before we did that movie. Me and Teresa Saldana and the director. And he asked us to get naked, take our clothes off. And I said, wait, come on, Paul. We're on a boat. <laughs> on a boat. In the- <laughs> We're on the, like, Dodson River or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that. One of those boat boats. Yeah, yeah, one of those boats. He took us out. I didn't even know why he was taking us on a boat. I said, we're going to a boat today. I said, I'm not going to get, this is an actress, we're on a boat. This is not good. This is unprofessional. I don't like this at all. But he thought we were going to have real trouble with the scene. Before the movie even began, he was prophesizing something. I don't know what he was looking for on the boat. I, I, I don't know, but we did that. We didn't run around naked. We got into a bed and covered ourselves up naked. Yeah. We didn't even look at each other. We were laying in next it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. But we tried and tried and tried. May she rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, she passed away last year. Yeah. Yeah. And but it was, was a difficult was scene to find the balance in without it looking like, you know, it's almost looks like pedophilia in a way. Because huh. he's childlike 
it was the heartbreak of my life. Mm. And I went into a spin after that. A depression yeah. that was, be, I, yeah, I was already 34 years old. Two children, blessed with two wonderful children. Had a new wonderful woman in my house. So selfish. <laughs> anyway, whatever it was, it was. Do you yeah. feel like you got to do that again? Like play parts like that where, you know, because you're known for playing tough guys for the most no, part. No, I'm not. We've played a lot of tough guys. No, I haven't. <laughs> I have not played a lot of tough guys. I played Richie April, one of the sort of tough guy that David Chase wrote on um, the the Rockford Files. I did a lead. Saw that. That yeah. was great. Right. Yeah, was great that was scene. a funny tough <laughs> yeah. guy. But it wasn't really a tough guy. It was a guy who needed his medication. I mean, really needed his medication. I don't think he was a tough guy at all. I wonder if it's a testament to your performances, but it's like you bring a tenderness and a sensitivity to a lot of your performances, especially, uh, well, not especially anything, anyone, but one I'm thinking of now that we watched is called uh, Innocent Blood. Oh, that's right. just, no, but that was fun. Hear me out, though, because in that movie, I suspected something from the beginning about your character <laughs> <laughs> that I think this is my interpretation. Oh, so correct me if I'm wrong. Good. But your relationship to the boss, to Robert Loja, I got that you were almost you would do anything for this guy. Like you are in love with him almost, you know, like you're running around and and you're trying to avenge him for a while. And he ends up, I think he ends up killing you. And yeah, he ends up biting me. Yeah. He ends up biting me. Everyone turns into a vampire. (laughs) Yeah. There's something uh, I really enjoyed about that. What I I told uh, the director Landis, I said, you see his name is Sal. I'm calling him Sal. I want to call him Sal. I want to imitate Tony Bennett's voice. Sal. No, no, come on, Sal. And it always sounds like he loves you, Tony. He's got a great, and it always sounds like I love him so much. And this guy watches, you got a good eye. And and it was a nothing role. But the magnificent (laughs) woman in the movie, Wow. Yeah, um, she's, she's oh, a great performance yeah, from, uh, from her. Nikita actress. I don't know where she is now. It's many years ago. But she had an idea for my character because she saw me standing there one day. And she she came up with it. And she said, I think he flirts with her. And I said, I love that. And she said, and I wanted that. Yeah. You know, I, who doesn't want that? Yeah. And uh, we did it in one scene where I'm standing there and, Landis looks. He says, "What? What is this over here? What? What's? What? You two are looking. What? What are you looking at?" And we told him, and we were going to pursue that. She was great. She was great. Very inventive actress. Uh, you are the sum total as an actor of what your life is about. And the people who really know my work will follow my work on television because all my work has been on television. I've done a character named Frank the Potato Man that did four of the picket fences who lived in a cave. Very sensitive character to play. Another character who's kind of broken man type of person. I've done those characters. I, I know that part of me that has been wounded. It was wounded uh, as a young boy in early life. Uh, whatever my personal rock took. I was carrying the mountain I was climbing or whatever, however you want to call it. I, it registered, it's there. And then the actor happens, 
just happens to become an actor and all that stuff is there. I'm from were you on the, were you in the first episode of Kojak? First episode. Yeah, yeah. pilot. Me and Harvey Keitel. Yeah, Harvey Keitel. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Streets, we got that job. Right. That was before. And that was another nice cop laying there, sensitive. He was the bad guy. Right. <laughs> he got the job and I got the job. Why? Because we're here. We went to yes, let's do it and we did it. It just so happens he was there and I was there. We went, what are you doing here? It's like, hey. I don't know. Well, what are you doing here? It was like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Yeah. What are you doing here? Uh, yeah, we got a job. What was your experience like going from, you know, coming from where you come from, starting TV in the 70s and then working on a show like Vinyl, which is a more modern show. And you think about how much TV has kind of changed and how it's exploded. No resemblance. Well, also because of, you know, what HBO and uh, what the other stations, but they're enormously wealthy and the production show it and... When you show up on a set, then there's an omelet maker for breakfast. <laughs> good morning, good morning. I love that. Because yeah. I was always looking for that oatmeal. Where the hell is it laying there in some mud? You know, I show up on these sets. <laughs> yeah, right. The brown sugar is lying there with a piece of carrot. And, thing. and there's this omelet maker. Hey, what kind of, what would you like? What would I like? <laughs> You have done some coaching, right? I, I mean, I, I saw, I'm very curious about this one credit you have on IMDb. as What's the Eddie Murphy? For, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Eddie Murphy's acting coach. That's, that's the wildest story in the world. This guy, Joel Silver, producer. I don't know why or how he found out that I was a teacher. I was having classes at the time, calls me. And look, uh, we were doing this movie. We were having a problem with uh, our lead actor. I think he needs some coaching. Uh, who are, what is this? Uh, Joel Silver and this. And I had heard his name already. So he was like kind of an operator. And I, we need money. Cheryl and I were sleeping on a mattress on the floor, I think, at the time. So, you know, you're always struggling for something. Oh, God, I got to. Kids, I need money, money. I said, yeah, sure. He says, well, you go to his place. And I said, no, I don't go to his place. He goes to my place. I mean, what am I, uh, traveling world? (laughs) Exorcist? I go to his place. I'm in my bedroom. This is when we're on Beachwood. I'm in the bedroom in the back. And I hear Cheryl scream, ah! And I run out and there's this black kid standing in my living room and he's waving the TV guide. And I'm saying, can I help you? He says, no, I'm looking for David Prova. I said, I'm David, what do you want? <laughs> he said, look, I made the TV guide. It was this kid, Eddie Murphy. I didn't know the show was Saturday Night Live. I didn't know nothing. He said, I don't know why they have me here. He was a kid. And I said, look, he was getting a little anxious. Why did they have you here? I'm an actor, You're a coach, they yeah. know. Who are you? I'm, I'm a hit TV star. What do they have me with you? I think yeah. it's a hit. He's got an album coming out, he's telling me. What is he talking to me for? Who am I? I'm sitting in my place with my wife on a mattress in the back on the floor. What do I know? So I said to him, uh, what, what do they want from you? What do they want? I, I don't know. I want you to talk. I want to talk to... And uh, I said, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at some footage that they have on you, and then we can talk. 
I went and saw it and I said, go get Gregory Hines. Remember Gregory Hines? Yeah. I saw him in a movie and he's such an actor. He was such a fine actor. He was great actor. And if you need a black yeah. guy and the movie's written for a black-white relationship, I said, forget it, this kid can't act. He, he will never fill up the screen. He doesn't know anything about concentration. He's all over the place. They said, right. And the director, Walter Hill, said to me, yeah, well, that's your job <laughs> to get him, you know. My job. To what? And what? And how long? And what? To do a lead in a movie? I mean, at least that was my first movie, Mean Streets. But I had studied and I knew yeah. something about concentration. I knew how to break the scene down. Mm. I knew a transition. I knew, you know, uh, I knew something. You kind of scene. I doesn't know anything. It's all over the place. They said, look, we can give you this. And I hear money again. I go, all right. As soon as I hear money, I don't care. I'll do anything. I'll try anything. The kid comes back to the house, and I hand him a Roy Hamilton album, a black singer who sang kind of straight lyric thing. And I said, what music do you listen to? He's, we're talking about music. I'm trying to find out who this guy is a little bit. And I see his fear. He's frightened. What is he doing sitting back with me now? He was. If he wasn't frightened, he would have told them. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guy. Goodbye. I'm out of He didn't do that. And that's what I said to him. I said, Were you a little scared? You're a little nervous? He said, Look, I got an album. I got it. I said, Hey, hey, I asked you a question. Say yes or no. They got you a little scared? I don't like being in this position. I remember that third time. They got you a little scared? He went, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I said, we're going to work now. You got it? You got it? Now we can work. <laughs> and he got it. He, that moment, he said, I got it. Don't bullshit. That's all. And you're going to be fine. Now, dig this. But you know when the, it's like when Jack said to me something about real thoughts and I got it. And he got it, this kid, Eddie, like that. Yeah. He understood something. Because he's a performer. A mimic, great, great mimic comedian, performer. Man. He knows what's at stake as a performer. He knows, you know, he knows a lot. The kid, you know, he knew a lot about performing, but nothing about this. Right. Right. Nothing about this. And then we show up at a prison. He's got to shoot a scene with Nick Nolte that morning. They're in the uh, prison cell. There's Eddie sitting there. And we're looking and he's, you know, it's a set and he's doing a little shtick for the crew. And and I thought that was not good for him because he looks to cat, he look, you know, please people, capture mm. them with his shtick. He knows that from television. Be liked by the crew, you know, he needs that. Not now. And he understood when I said, you don't have to perform for them. He understood everything I said. Got it? Yeah. He knew why he was doing it. It's insecure. Yeah. Putting the fear somewhere else instead of allowing the fear. Allow the right, fear. Right. See where that fear is going to go to. See where it does feel. Now, the scene is, he's sitting there with a guy. I said, what would you be doing here with this guy today in the cell? Did you do any research about prison? Did you talk to anybody? You're lazy. You know, I was sitting there. But uh, I said, put the thing on. Whatever music comes on, when the guy says action, sing it. 
Roxanne came on accidentally. Wasn't supposed to come on. And they used it. They yeah, allowed yeah, it. Yeah. And they paid That's for it. That's a famous moment. For it. Yeah. That's a very and I said, whatever moment. comes on, sing with it. This is all, this is what happened. I said, all right, all right. I said, well, whatever there. Because that's what you do here. And he has a nice voice. He can, Roxanne! Yeah, he can do that for shadow. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's good at it. But he didn't know what was going to come on. And, and, and then he comes in. And I gave that piece I don't know what the, the, the director said to him, but I said, just no. And the guy, the actor, Eddie, got flat-footed and did this. And you saw exactly what blue eyes and a white man meant to him. What that white man really meant to him is a white movie star who was upset about me, by the way. We're talking about real thoughts. Who was what? Well, he was upset the guy wasn't doing the work and the, the movie was going, Nolte mm, yeah, was saying, and he, you know, there was a lot happening, man. The director came up to me, who was a very wise man, a cowboy intellect, <laughs> you know, cowboy intellectual, and said, what did you do to this kid? <laughs> I said, he's yeah. concentrating. Because he knew it was concentration and you can't, yeah. people move all the time on camera and, yeah. and they're moving extraneously and it's all, uh, right. if it's not character, then it's, it was something. That, yeah. But there was that's the story of that. That's that, fantastic. It's an amazing story. That's amazing, yeah. yeah. I've always noticed that. He asked me to coach him again. Yeah. Really? And I said no, because I didn't have a good experience sitting around watching another actor act. And, you know, I, I was just getting, uh, I want to do it rather than talk about it. Yeah. There was another day on that set when he's supposed to walk into a bar and clear the bar. Yeah. Ah, there's a new sheriff in town. town. Right. And one of the wranglers that they hired, extras, he heard the guy say, he ever came into my town and do that, he wouldn't be alive for more than, you know. And he heard him say, wow. he was upset at him. And he's a kid from Long Island. He's not a kid from where I'm from. <laughs> I'm from Brownsville, Brooklyn. I'm, I'm from, all right. I'm from <laughs> Brownsville. Brownsville. Yeah, Brownsville. I'm from Brownsville. Heard of it. Yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> what happened was uh, Eddie made his career. That movie made his career. And when I said no to the next movie, he wouldn't talk to me again. Um, but I said no because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to put myself through that. What happened there? There's something else that happened. Oh, the other guy in the cell, there was one... Is his buddy Chet from his childhood? Oh, really? Yeah, you know they they were hanging, and <laughs> I said, "Who's funny. the other guy?" He says, "Chet." I said, "Well, what does that mean?" And so he said, "I know him from where? From fourth grade." I said, oh, "This is incredible." <laughs> so the scene had a whole thing to it. Yeah. He had his buddy sitting next to him. He can him, sing the song, see the blue eyes, know what it means, and hubba hubba. Fucking yeah. director went. What the fuck did you say to this fucking kid? <laughs> That's a great story. That's amazing, yeah. But he had to be ready to accept it. There were other actors, people that couldn't accept it. They wouldn't go. Yeah. He understood. But I saw his work over there. I don't think he's done the good work. That was the best acting he's ever done, that, four, that first 48 hours. Mm. I turned watching him again, and he got sticky, stick, stick, stick. And they hired me again on DC Cab, another movie. Oh, really? A thing called DC Cab. I remember DC Cab, Mr. T. Yeah. Mr. T. Yeah. 
And uh, the the lead in the movie was a little black kid, Charlie Barnett. Sweetest kid in the world. Great you knew Charlie? I mean, not personally, because he's a, he's a really good, very, very gifted kid. You know, he's dead. Yes. Charlie Barnett. They hired me. Uh, they asked me, and I met this Charlie Barnett. I fell in love with this kid. He was like just an angel, man. And his, he had fingers that were like full swollen. They looked kind of extraterrestrial. They didn't look earthly. They were, and he never told me he had a severe heart disease. Mm. This kid. He also had a literacy problem. Born in the streets, poor kid, never went. And just God-given gift for comedy. God-given. Funniest. He was a street entertainer. They gave him a lead, Universal, in a movie. And it was Bill Maher is in that. That's right. And anytime I see Bill Maher, he looks at me and goes, there goes my acting coach. I never coached him. (laughs) I never coached him. I never said a word to him. But he always does that. And, And I love Bill Maher. I mean, oh, yeah. he's saving us. He's saving me. Bill Maher, I love Bill Maher, what he's doing. And anyway, Charlie Barnett, he overdosed. Overdosed. They wanted to make him a, a star. Hmm. It was amazing to see this fragile little elf from the streets, a guy just as tragic me and just a gift of comedy and how he used his body he was just and I had nothing to say to him it wasn't like I was working with Eddie Murphy a guy who was kind of the guy had such a gift there was nothing to say to him he was genius (laughs) it was like working with Charlie Chaplin I'm serious a comedian who had just understood himself and physically and and his whole, it was like working with, uh, yeah, a great. Uh, so I, I said, I don't know, but he says, well, you make money, man, man. I said, yeah. He says, well, keep the job, man. You take the checks, man. We'll be hanging out. I said, oh, good. All right. And that's exactly what I did with Charlie. I took the money, put it in my pocket, got paid, and I, and, and just held the guy. And then I lost touch with him, and I found gone. Wow, man. We worked with some. He worked with some really great entertainers who are not necessarily known as actors. I mean, uh, you're in Innocent Blood with Don Rickles. He was uh, he was around, and Don Rickles is a better actor than people ever knew him for. He's really, and I knew Don Rickles as an actor. Huh? And when I worked with Don Rickles on that movie, he came to me and he says, "You're going to come with me in my trailer. I take you. You're serious. You're a method. You're a method." <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, and he said that to me the first night we were working, it was 10 below zero. I was working with Anthony LaPaglia and I was screaming and we had to hit each other and the whole screaming thing. And, and Don was in the scene wearing this Russian hat, this big fur Russian hat. And to me, John, Don Rickles is like king, you know, yeah, as a yeah. king of God. Yeah. I look at him and I go, you know, I can't. So uh, I see him, first time I see him, I don't know, all right. And I kind of do my work and I hear cut and I stop. And the director, John Landis, runs over and says, who, who, what's going on here? I said, well, you called cut. So I didn't call cut. And John says, I called cut. <laughs> I says, he says, what, 
John, you you can't call cunt. You're not. He says, see that guy? And he pointed at me. When he screamed, all the spit came out of his mouth. He spit all over me. I went, oh, shit, I can't control the spit out of my And that's the first time he said it. He says, he's a method guy. He said that Landis and, and, and Lapayas cracked up, and I cracked up. I know he was doing it for shtick. He was doing it, he wanted to get to me. He saw me work, and he knew he got, and Lapayas is a serious actor, so he saw two serious actors trying to do something, and he couldn't resist it. He had to mess it up. <laughs> I know he's like a child that way. I got, to, I fell in love with him, by the way. And he goes, "Cut it right now!" Uh, I, I say, "Well, I can't control the spin." I didn't say anything. I said, Landis says, "I knew this was going to happen." Landis is standing there. I said to myself, "I know he's going to do this, and I shouldn't, but I did it." And he's here. And Don, please don't call cut. Please, please. <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. Then I had, they put me in a suite with three bedrooms. I don't know why. William Penn Hotel, why they put me in a suite with three bedrooms? There were three phones in the suite. Don Rickles said, and I says, you know, what do you got, a suite with three rooms? I said, yeah, I don't know why they put, he says, that's what I get. I said, well, I don't know why they did that. He says, you can't get what I get. <laughs> Right? And he's right. No, no, I, I agree with him. He's a king. I, I'm not supposed to get what a king gets. I said, I know, king. I, I, I'm a peasant. I shouldn't be. But he says, yeah. Now, phone rings in the bedroom. I go answer it. There's no one there. Phone rings later on. And the, it was happening over like a few nights in a row. And I was sitting there and I said, you know, this is insane. I keep running room to room. There's three phones keep ringing. And I see Harry, his partner, a black guy for 50 years, kind of smirk. And I said, what's going on here? And he pointed at Don. He said, he's been calling the three numbers. Two of them made me run from room. That's hilarious. <laughs> He couldn't wow. stand it. He just couldn't stand it. And then he yeah. goes on the Johnny Carson show. And Cheryl and I, we didn't even know he's on the Johnny Carson show. And there he was. Yeah. And he says, oh, well, I just did this movie with this kid, David Provel. <laughs> he mispronounced my name. It didn't matter, but he mentions my name on the Johnny Carson. Wow. I was so in touch with that. And the next morning, I waited to call him. I finally got him on the phone. I said, Don, you know. He said, you piece of shit. I said, why are you saying that? He says, when in your life did you think a star like Don Rickles would go on the Johnny Carson show and mention your name? And you didn't call me? I said, I'm calling you right now. He said, well, you waited a long time to call to thank me. He says, I called your house earlier and your wife answered. He said, and she was so excited to hear my voice, she ran out on the lawn naked. 